2: This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one concert at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, the Freewheelin' Rob Kelly, and joining me this week to talk about the Bob Dylan 30th Anniversary Concert Celebration, which took place on October 16th, 1992, is fellow Bobcat and music critic Amanda Marquezo. Hi, Amanda. Hi there. Hi. It's great to have you on the show.
3: Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited about this. This is a huge honor for
2: me. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I am really excited to talk about the show. As anyone, I mean, it's even become a joke across the uh, guests of Bob Dylan that I do talk about this concert quite a bit <laughs> and that I attended it. But it was a big moment for me and my Bob Dylan fandom. And since we were, uh, if you're listening to this the day the episode drops, which is the 17th, we are just one day off of the 28th anniversary of this concert. Uh, and uh, that. That, that The whole notion of uh, how many years it's been since this concert to place is going gonna, is gonna to play into uh, a discussion we're going to have later on in the show. But before we get to all that, I mean, Amanda, I have to ask you, how did you become a fan of, of Dylan's work?
3: My father is the biggest Bob Dylan fan I've ever met in my life. And I was quite literally brought up on Bob Dylan in many, many forms and taught that this is like... This is the pinnacle of storytelling. And, you know, I also grew up in the shadow of Greystone Psychiatric Hospital, which is where Woody Guthrie was. Wow. Um, and where Bob Dylan went to visit him. So it's kind of been a local legend thing with us. So that kind of played into it. And there's this, there's, it's, it's been my life up to this point. We watched this concert on a, a recorded pay-per-view when I was, you know, way, way a lot younger than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like a family affair. We had to sit down and watch it.
2: So, I mean, what did you, what were your memories of when you watched it? Did you like it? I mean, you were a young kid. I mean, were, were, what were some of the, I mean, we'll get into it as we get into the songs. But sure. like, as you're, with a, you know, as is the case with a lot of kids, when their parents are sort of forcing something on them, they're kind of like, oh, I don't, nah. Oh, yeah. No, well no. Did you, you liked it?
3: I absolutely loved it. I I never felt my parents never really forced music on me. It just became part of your lifeblood, like they fed gotcha. to you like like dinner, you know. <laughs> like right. we watched it was just around. It was we, my parents. One of their first dates was going to see the Woodstock movie, so we watched Woodstock wow. whenever it was on PBS. Uh, growing up, like a family thing, we had to sit down and watch my dad's, you know, uh, Joe Cocker impression, and <laughs> it became like a it was a it was a thing. This was kind of that thing we sat down and watched it and and I was, you know, in my teens, so I was all grungy and flannel wearing, so Eddie Vedder being on it with Mike McCready was amazing. Mm. And he did one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs, so it was there was there was enough in it that hooked me as a kid, but it was still also everything I loved growing up. Like if I, there was not a single person on there that I couldn't have named at the time. Except for uh, some of the backup band,
2: right, right, right. So, um, did you go out and end up getting some Dylan albums on your own, or go going to see him in concert on your own?
3: No, they were always in the house. So, I, I honestly have never been to see Bob Dylan, and it's uh, a oh, sticking wow. point with me. Yes, I'm in my 40s now. I don't, you know, I don't know how much time I have left. And then coronavirus <laughs> hit and screwed everything up. So, <laughs> it's uh, oh. it's it's something I've never rectified. And he's played he played at Waterloo Village a few times, which is you know 15 minutes from where I grew up and where I live now. And uh, my parents have been to see him multiple times over there. So it's, it, it's just one of those things I have to rectify before I die.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, like I said, we can all hope that this will be wrapped up sooner rather than later. And then Bob, I'm okay, sure, totally. Bob, it, it's kind of like uh, the groundhog with like, you know, the announce of spring. You'll yes. know that COVID is really over when Bob Dylan resumes touring.
3: Exactly. When he, when he comes out, he comes yeah. back out into the light.
2: Can you imagine the reception he is going to get the first concert back? How loud oh, that's going to be? I hope
3: i there. <laughs>
2: yeah, oh man, you'll be able to hear that from wherever you are. No matter oh, <laughs> where
3: you are. you absolutely yeah. will.
2: Yeah, that's going to be crazy. So all right, well that's uh, that is really cool. Do you have a particular favorite era of Bob of, of the stuff that you've heard?
3: I don't, because I kind of skip all over the place. Okay. And I also like a lot of the stuff that people don't find as appealing, you know? Like, I love Nashville Skyline, and a lot of people don't like Nashville Skyline, but that's one of my top albums
2: of his. Yeah, what's wrong with those people? I
0: don't know. What's that about?
3: But you've heard that, though, right? Like, people really get into that. They're like, I don't like when his voice sounded like that.
2: <laughs> okay, well you know. oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right, people find so. Well, all right, well that's pretty cool. Like I said, well, we're gonna talk about this concert, as as I've mentioned, ad nauseum. I was there. Um it was the second only this is the only the second time I'd ever seen Dylan live. The first time was at the uh, David Letterman 10th anniversary show, uh where he only sang one song where he came out and did like a Rolling Stone with that yeah. huge band. And so this was my chance to see him. Now, obviously, this was still not a full Bob Dylan concert, but I was hoping to get a couple more songs than one that I got out of the Letterman <laughs> appearance. And this was a huge thing. I mean, it's it's hard to remember now because again, it's twenty eight years ago. But getting tickets for this thing was like impossible. This was just this was like the uh, the Hamilton or something. <laughs> you know, it was right. a moment like everybody wanted to go to this thing. And somehow, my father through a friend. Uh, who was a business associate in New York managed to say, oh, I can get your son and you're and his friend. I brought a friend of mine from art school tickets and uh, we were like so lucky. Now, of course, as I, again, as I've said, they were, the tickets were so high up. I don't think we were in U S airspace anymore, but <laughs> nevertheless we got to go. And I remember just getting the tickets was this crazy piece of spy craft because this guy that was getting them was in New York and we were in, you know, we're in, we were in Southern New Jersey. So we're two hours away from New York and he couldn't, you know, it wasn't like he could come down to get them for us, uh, drop them off. So he said, look, I'm going to have them by five o'clock uh, on Friday at the end of the day. And uh, I'm going to draw and it's, it's, that's the night of the show. And yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to drop them off at a friend's shoe store. Which is still going to be open at like six o'clock on a Friday night. So you have your son go to the shoe store. And it was like practically, I had to give like a code word, you know, it was like, it's a cold day for pontooning, you know. This is the way all great stories start. Yeah, it was nuts, you know, and I was so afraid because we're driving all the way up to New York. I was so afraid that something's going to go wrong. You know, that like, that we're going to get there, and the guy's going to go, what are you talking about? I don't have any tickets. Right. Or the store's going to be, you know, it's going to be like the end of the Blues Brothers. We're we're going to get to the thing. It's going to say back in five minutes, you know? Yeah, you know? So I was just stressing out. But nevertheless, we got there. We went up to the counter. We said, hey, you know, is there a is there an envelope here for a Rob Oh, yeah, here you go. Great. And so it all worked out. But nevertheless, it was just a terrifying experience. So anyway, we get there. We get to the thing, and we're hearing about, oh, there's going to be other artists there that aren't even on, there was already t-shirts printed up and there's like, oh, there's going to be some people here that aren't even on the t-shirt yet because they were added at the last minute. So it had this incredibly exciting thing of like, you just to know what you were going to hear. So basically what the show is that Amanda and I are going to do, we're just going to go through the songs and we're going to comment on each one of them. Some are going to obviously inspire some longer commentary than others, but we're going to go through the whole, the whole list. And as I was mentioning to Amanda off air, um, for the longest time, I could find no official record of the five songs that were performed before the pay-per-view kicked in. For years, there was no record of this because they don't appear on the, the, the CD that was released. Right. And I, for many years, I thought, did I imagine those songs? I don't think <laughs> I did because I was there, <laughs> but I could not find any record of them. And it drove me because then I finally, I finally did. I found one website that lists, uh, the genuine Bob Dylan 30th anniversary celebration DVD which has a bunch of extras and includes the pre-broadcast song. So finally, yes, these things do exist. So the, actually the first song was Gotta Serve Somebody by Booker T. Jones. And Booker T. and the MGs were the house band. They were the backup band through this whole thing. So what was – now you've seen these, right? Because you, have you seen these performances? These I have files? not seen these performances.
3: Okay. And the funny thing is is I think I bought, I bought my dad the DVD,
2: and i okay. never watched it with him. Okay. I think it's, I tried. On, it's on just on- two.
3: I went on this thing to try and replace like live aid and stuff like stuff he mm. had on VHS, which is destroyed from him watching it over and over again. <laughs> I think that was one of the ones that I got him and I've never watched it with him. These are, I I know that they exist, but I've never seen them.
2: All right. I w- I'm going to go through these really fast. So he says it was Booker, Booker T Jones doing got to serve somebody from a Buick six by G.E. Smith, who was leading the house band. Of course, G.E. Smith played with in Bob's band for many years. Lay Lady Lay as an instrumental by G.E. Smith. Boots of Spanish Leather by Nancy Griffith and Carolyn Hester, and See That My Grave is Kept Clean by John Hammond. Not the John Hammond, the younger John Hammond. (laughs) And I don't have much of a memory of Gotta Serve Somebody or Buick 6 or Lelia. I thought they were just kind of forgettable. I liked Boots of Spanish Leather by Nancy Griffith quite a bit. I'm a fan of Nancy Griffith. I have a bunch of her albums. And she covered that on one of her albums. And I actually thought it was really well done, and I, I did enjoy that. See That My Grave is Kept Clean is not a Bob Dylan song. He covered it on his first record, but it's not about Dylan's song. So I'm like, John, really? You can't, you couldn't find another song to to, to cover. You know, nobody, you're, as we go through this, you'll see there is not a single song from Blood on the Tracks covered at this concert, which is amazing when you think about it. You're like, how did they not do Blood on the Tracks? So the weird, the fact that John Hammond doesn't even sing a Dylan song is sort of (laughs) baffling to me. So it's like, okay. So they're, they're there. So now at this point then the pay-per-view kicks in which is where you started to see it and that's right. they they basically start the show over again with a big act and in this case it's John Mellencamp with Al Cooper doing like a rolling stone and leopard skin pillbox hat so Amanda Ooh, what did you think songs. of those uh,
3: like a rolling stone i think is is one of the songs that has been played the most in my home growing up um so it's always been it's it's been a special song to me and I love John Mellencamp. Uh he's Me he's an a, incredible performer. He's he's amazing live. That performance just to to start off the pay-per-view. Like everybody who was at home who couldn't go was just like, oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah. It was great energy.
2: Great oh, energy. Yeah, great. I mean, boy, he starts he I mean, starts off with that that you know, the rim shot. And then you get you've got Al Cooper doing his thing.
3: And that yeah, was we're... amazing. I still remember in my head, like them announcing Al Cooper. Yeah. coming out because Al Cooper's part on that song is such a legendary thing in its own right. So it, it, everybody was just like, ah! like yeah. the crowd went crazy. Cause they were all clearly, you know, nobody was going to this who wasn't a Dylan fan. I'm,
2: right. Right. Well, so they well, obviously,
3: we'll, well, you know, that's,
2: <laughs> we'll get, we'll get to the, we'll get to that one moment that that's questionable, yes. but okay. Yes,
3: <laughs> But I mean, it's Madison square garden. So there's always going to be a lot of, you know, corporate people and box, you know, stuff. So, but for the majority, and back then when you used to have to stand in line at like nobody beats the whiz to get your tickets <laughs> for everything, like like you had you had to be a fan to get those tickets. <laughs> like you were gonna camp out and you were gonna get your tickets. So like the reaction as that that opened up with that song that everybody, you know, holds in such high regard, it was awesome. It was yeah. just it was a cool part of the show.
2: It was. And for for those younger listeners, yes, there actually was a business called Nobody Beats the Whiz. <laughs> That was an actual name of a business at some point. They, they actually named themselves that. But yes, it was a great way to start and certainly very ambitious to just bang right off the gate, right out of the gate, you know, start with one of the biggest songs, probably maybe even the biggest song.
3: That's not a song you pick if you stink, you know, like, no, no. especially having Al Cooper come on and do it with you. Yeah. That's not a song you do if if you're not you know a, a very competent live performer, which he is.
2: Yeah, and they said he followed up with leopard skin, Pillbox hat, which is really good too. He has a lot of fun it with it. He has a lot it of a lot, a lot of fun with it. Uh, so the next up is "Blowing in the Wind" by Stevie Wonder. I oh. mean, holy moly! And I mean, so, again, talk about doing like the hits right off the top. Like the two, right. his, arguably his two most famous songs, at first and third position. And Stevie Wonder was a late addition to the, to the show. And really? I, yeah, he wasn't even on that. Yeah. He was not on the t-shirt. That was something that they added the last second And I still feel very fortunate that I'm able to say that I at least saw Stevie wonder in concert yep. briefly because it's Stevie wonder for Pete's sake. So Me Stevie too. wonder That's doing cool. blowing in the wind.
3: My husband's a musician and a huge Stevie wonder fan. So it's one of those things that I will always be able to hang over his head. Like I saw Stevie <laughs> wonder. Um, <laughs> but, but, his his version of Blowing in the Wind was like everybody knows Joan Baez's version of Blowing in the Wind which is very it's very funky and it's it's very pretty and it's very important but Stevie Wonder's version was just like heart and soul like punch yeah. you in the face and plus he did this whole intro about yes. how important this song is and how unfortunately and he says unfortunately it's always going to be relevant yep. yep, and he's right because and right now it's extraordinarily relevant
2: yeah <sighs> Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 my only my only uh criticism at all and you just don't know how these things are produced is that Stevie right. Wonder didn't get to do two songs.
3: No, I agree. It's
2: Stevie Wonder. I mean, come on. <laughs> He's like huge. Right? He
3: so. should have had something high like high, like high-paced, you know, like Yeah. Something people could
2: have jammed out to. Yeah, I mean, that's the only, but again, they had so many people to cram into this oh, yeah. to this list and the show couldn't be four hours long. So, well, I mean, uh, so <laughs> well, yeah, right. I mean, actually it really could have been.
3: I would have uh, been fine with that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I Okay, let him, we'll go again. We'll, we'll get into that short, short Sure. at the length of this. So next up, now we're going really obscure. We had George Thorogood doing Wanted Man, which at the time I didn't know of at all. I didn't right. know that that was a Bob Dylan song. I'd never heard it. Um, It wasn't until it was released on a um, Dylan covers collection called I shall be unreleased where they put the Johnny cash version that mm-hmm. I even became familiar with the song. So I, that was one of the things I was like, Oh, I'm being introduced to a brand new song. And Thurgood did a really fun, it's a fun song and he does a good job of it.
3: He does George Thurgood's in- another, like he's a great live performer. He puts on a good show. So I didn't know that song either, honestly. Um, yeah. I'm still not extraordinarily familiar with it. I know it, but it's not one that I ever kind of got into, but uh, anything anything george Thorogood does is kind of
1: fun yeah it's
2: just it's that a f- guy on stage yeah and it's a fun song it, it nashville skyline we just we we're just talking about it like right. nashville nashville skyline is a, such a short record it's like thir- barely 30 minutes long every song that now that we know how much was left behind from the uh tell from the uh, the uh the uh the bootleg series that just came out the traveling yep. through set there could have he could have fit like five more songs on that record right. Bob, like why was he so stingy with that like that would have been a perfect play. I guess he gave it to Johnny Cash, and he didn't want to do it himself. But still, it's a shame that it remained unreleased. But it again, is. I, I like the fact that after doing a bunch of hits, we then were like, oh, no, we're going to do something obscure, too, which is which is cool. There was a nice nice cross-section right out of the gate to, to do I something
3: agree. like that.
2: So next up was I Want You by Sophie B. Hawkins, who probably a lot of people don't really know who that is anymore. I don't know if she's still active I was I liked her at the time I had her record the first record that she had which had the her hit on it which was the damn I wish I was your lover yes uh I actually thought she was pretty good and I liked her kind of hippy dippy version of I want you but yeah I did um, she didn't I don't I don't think her career quite lasted, which is which is too bad because I liked the fact that uh they were trying to introduce I mean she was also a Columbia act so I'm sure there was some business involved here absolutely um, but I also I appreciate the fact that they were trying to get newer people in as well, not just people of Dylan's, you know, Dylan's age. It was younger artists too. I thought that was great.
3: That's I think that was really important too, because it's always been like the one thing that I I love about Dylan in general is that he really never says no when somebody wants to cover one of his songs. So the fact that there are so many versions of every song that he's ever done out there floating around in like YouTube land and on the internet (laughs) I think it was important at this time because there wasn't, you know, the internet and there wasn't YouTube. So having somebody young come up and do one of his songs kind of once that got out, like it kind of pulls people in. They're like, all right, mm-hmm. this is, you know, somebody who wasn't brought up on it like I was can kind of be like, well, who's Bob Dylan? And then you mm-hmm. know, kind of dig a little deeper. I liked, I liked that. I, that's one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. So I'm genuinely curious whenever anybody covers the songs that I like. So that's, I think she did a great job.
2: Yeah, and she, right. She did something completely different with it. I have found, just in the very broad sense, that I feel like that when women cover Bob Dylan songs, they tend to be less um, uh, worried about being being faithful to his version. They do their own thing. Yes. I feel like when men cover it, it tends to be more like what Dylan did. And women seem not to be so encumbered by that, which I like. I like that I it's too. completely different. Because, again, we have the Dylan version. We know we like that. So why not try something completely different with it?
3: And I think that that's always been his kind of feeling mm-hmm. about it. Like, like I said, he never says no when somebody wants to cover it and actually, you know, make a profit off of it. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't hold up a lot of his licensing. So it's kind of nice when somebody can get a little adventurous with a song that we already know we like.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so next up, "Foot of Pride" by Lou Reed, which was again, I feel so fortunate that I get to cross. <laughs> You've got to Reed, say Lou, Lou Reed, Reed off my list yeah. that I got to. I mean, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. But and talk about ambitious. I mean. I can't sing foot of pride out loud in my car when I'm alone. I just can't get the words right because right. it's so, it's so complicated. I mean, yes. it is, it's uh, outside of subterranean homesick blues. It's practically a rap song because there's no, there's no melody. It's just a yes. beat that he's just bapping the words to. And Lou Reed really does a nice, he, he does a nice stab at it. Is it as good as Dylan? No, I don't think so. But again, I appreciate the, um, the ambition. Of trying to cover a a song that no one had heard until a year earlier because it had only been released on the bootleg series to that point, mm-hmm. and such a complicated song. I mean, good, nice, nice try, Lou.
3: That's that's such a Lou Reed thing to do. <laughs> like, I'm gonna I'm gonna find the the strangest and hardest song, and everybody knows Subterranean Homesick Blues. Like I I counted among one of my many talents that I can sing that from start to finish. <laughs> but I worked very hard on it for very many years. I can't touch this. No. So. <laughs> It's it, it, it was a very Lou Reed thing to do to find that one song that like people aren't going to know it and it's going to be really hard to sing and I'm gonna kind of you know I'm gonna uh, he's not a forgettable act on this, no. this no. list in any way shape or form because of that I admire that I love Lou Reed
2: yeah it was just that it was, it was terrific so uh, next up again your your favorite Eddie Vedder and Mike McCready singing Masters of War and I mean yes. again talk about a great booking because they were. Pearl Jam at that moment was the hottest of the hot. And when huge. they came out, that was a monster, huge thing to be like, wow, this isn't just, you know, kind of an oldies act. This is contemporary. Young we people, have the, right. the newest guy, the freshest, hottest guy in rock at the moment, outside maybe Kurt Cobain is Eddie Vedder. And here they are singing Masters of War and a great hard, hard driving yet acoustic version of it. Just terrific.
3: And the great thing about well, Pearl Jam at the time, and I, you know, my husband and I had this conversation before I was doing this because I'm kind of like, you know, throwing some ideas at him. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, what I can talk about with how I feel about Bob. But, I mean, he was, he was such a punk rock character for when he came out. Like, he was giving the finger to so much. <laughs> and, you know, grunge was grunge, but a lot of grunge was, was you know, uh, nestled in punk rock originally. And that's where it came out of. So to have somebody like, like you know, Pearl Jam come on there when they were so huge at the time was, was cool, but it really shows in the way that they did the song that they understood the song Mm -hmm. and they understood the motivations behind writing it. And even in the moment, like he changed, you know, you put a gun in my hand to you put a drug in my hand. And that was such a nineties thing at Mm. the time, you know, and it, it was just, it showed that I have this moment to make, to say something and be a part of this huge important thing. And Eddie Vedder is an intelligent guy and he's very respectful. So he knew exactly what he was doing And I just, that was, that was huge for me. When I saw that, I was so excited that they included him on this, that I had immediate respect for the entire thing Mm -hmm. because I was, Mm -hmm. I was young and a teenager and impressionable and angsty and annoying. So (laughs) it it was that moment that I felt a special connection there, despite my love for Bob Dylan. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: It was just awesome. And they did it
2: flawlessly. They did. They did a great job with it. And it it makes me, when I, when we get to that part of the list of Eddie Vedder's in it, I, I think about what I read that after this concert was over, uh, Dylan invited a bunch of his friends back to this Irish bar and they just like hung out and drank and sang songs all night. And Eddie Vedder was there. And Uh, I mean, I mean, look, I'm sure Eddie Vedder at this point in his career was, was, he was a, he was a famous rock musician. He was not, he was not a newbie at the same time. He was still in his 20s. Right. And imagine getting invited. Oh, my (laughs) God. To be a fly on the wall. To hang out in a bar with Bob Dylan, George Harrison, maybe Lou Reed, Johnny Cash. I mean, that's got to... Can you imagine that? (laughs) No, I can't. I can't get my head around. (laughs) That's like Mount Rushmore coming to life. It would be. Yeah. And Uh, telling
3: you about politics and waving their finger in your face.
2: Yeah. I just... (laughs) Unbelievable what that... Just what that must have been like so oh my god uh so next up was the times they are a changing by tracy chapman another person oh! obviously a direct connection to dylan in a lot of ways and again a great performance i i love tracy chapman and uh she did a great again acoustic uh, performance of this song
3: her so her version of this is is so powerful she Beautiful she's voice. another one who you know she understood every every like you know pencil shaving that went into the writing of this song. Like she feels it and she expels it. And I love Tracy Chapman. I used to work in music publishing and it was, it was, it was kind of a legend how much Tracy Chapman does not give up her licensing permissions for hardly anybody. Okay. Um, she holds so much integrity into writing, and she has so much respect. And it's just she's over the years has become this person that I admire more and more and more. And this has always been one of those those performances where it was seeing her do somebody else's music that I hold in such high regard. That it was just it was it was magical, and it was just her and a guitar and Madison Square Garden. Like it was just it was, she's so cool. <laughs> I have a hard time talking about Tracy Chapman
2: because she's so cool. I'm I'm but imagining, she, I'm imagining so much this, power. Yeah. Yeah. She was wonderful. I I'm imagining this nightmare of like some horrible ad exec trying to like, uh, get the, get her to clear fast car for like their Toyota commercial
3: or something.
1: Somebody,
3: somebody hears like, okay, you know, this, this person who's a, you know, a licensing attorney or something has to go and call Tracy Chapman about
2: something. And he's like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> boom phone damn yeah, phone well i'm not I was about to it. say it's about to say phone gets slammed down but nobody slams the phone down anymore hey, That's nobody an does that
3: anymore yeah, i really click. wish i i miss i miss that aspect yeah. of life when you should be able to get angry and just go back yep
2: <laughs> i will say that i did see uh tracy chapman in another context uh around 2001 or there was a another dylan tribute concert which was an inter it was mixed of people doing readings Mm-hmm. And then it was musicians covering and she was there and she sang, got to serve somebody. Uh, and that's another and great one. It was great. It was great. So I've managed to see her twice, both times covering Bob Dylan's song. So it was see, now great.
3: this is why we got to include her in the third one. When we talk about uh, that When that we get later. to that,
2: absolutely. <laughs> so uh, next up is uh, It Ain't Me, Babe by June Carter and Johnny Cash. Again, I get to check Johnny Cash off my list that I did get to see him at least once. I will say it was not one of my favorites of theirs because they did Ain't Me, Babe as like an up-tempo kind of thing. And to me, it just doesn't match the song. The song is such an F-off kind of song, and it just doesn't match their up-tempo take on it. But it's still Johnny Cash.
3: But I kind of respect that, you know? They tried to take it in a different direction. Yeah. And, and I loved Chris Christopherson's intro to this. Do you remember that? Yeah. He's talking about Johnny Cash and the first time that he met Bob Dylan and yep. Bob walked around him like a big tree and looked up and said, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> you, like you get that picture in your head and then, and then you know, you understand that friendship moving forward, you
2: know, until so, Johnny passed away. I love away, that but story. That's good. That performance.
3: Okay. Yeah, exactly. You pictured, you know, Bob Dylan walking around him. He was so, Johnny Cash was so big. Like he was yeah. so tall. But uh, that performance, I, it's it's one of my favorites only because it used to make me crack up how loud June Carter was. <laughs> like, she was having such a good time and just didn't give a, a, a rat's ass about anybody else. Like, she was singing with Johnny, and they're singing a Bob's song, and it's a big deal, and there's a huge crowd. And it wasn't a great performance <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, except for their energy. Their energy was so, so, like, palpable. It was awesome. But yeah. it... They were not. It
2: was not good. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is obviously the country part of the show because next right. up was Willie Nelson uh, singing "What Was It You Wanted?" And again, I appreciate that because it's a more recent song. It's off of "Oh Mercy," and he did a great, nice, you know, Willie Nelson perfectly spare version. But I again, I like that it's they're moving. I mean, this this concert obviously is going to lean very heavily on the '60s uh, and a little bit in the '70s. Uh, although actually, not very much in the '70s. But I like that. Willie nelson does something more recent that's cool like i like they did that Willie nelson is like listening to bob's new records which i yes. enjoy
3: i love Willie nelson he can do no wrong in my book it's not one of my favorite performances but i always like that he picked a later song he didn't pick something that everybody would know
2: yeah right and it's not a it's not a country song you, would, <laughs> you sort of imagine that that Willie nelson would kind of go for something obvious and pick a country tune but no he decides to do something from Mo mercy which i thought was really cool so i thought that's that was a cool
1: album yeah so. that
2: was great uh, and then next up was Chris Christopherson, uh, who of course co-starred with Bob in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, doing mm-hmm. "I'll Be Your Baby Tonight," which again is a country song. This is Chris Christopherson doing straight up a country tune, and it's fun. It's a it's a fun kind of drunken kind of just, uh, <laughs> and it's got the, got the pedal steel and everything else. So I, I I liked it quite a bit.
3: I like that one as well. It's not it's not one that I you know I go back to a lot, but it's it's when I play the album through all the way, you, you get to that song and you're like, oh. He was great. He was so good at that. That that entire performance, start to finish, with his little his little tidbits in there, I I admire him.
2: Absolutely. So uh, and the next up was Johnny Winter doing an ear-splitting version <laughs> of Highway 61 Revisited, and I guess the whole another thing another favorite song. Uh, the oh right, the another the thing about Johnny Winter was that he was a guitar guy. That was his big. Yes. That he was all about guitar solos. And so this thing was basically an excuse just to rock out and just to do. <laughs> You know the other kind of thing. <laughs> he sings the words but I think he's kind of like let me just get to the guitar parts I think that was really the, the motivation for covering the song
3: exactly and it was such a cool take on it too because everybody knows that song because of the slide whistle you know I used right. to play that in a car and it used to I used to have it on loud and it would scare the hell out of my kids like <laughs> when that comes through the speakers Reef! exactly so to hear to hear somebody who's who's such a like a, a masterful guitar player just come in and take that song over was, and he took it a totally different way. He totally rocked that song out.
2: Yeah, I remember being in the hall and being like, I could barely understand what he, I I knew the words, because I knew I could tell, I could hear the refrain, Highway 61, I was like, oh, okay, but I couldn't hear anything, because it was so loud.
3: Exactly, (laughs) but that's, but that's, that's him,
2: like, that's why it was so cool. That's what a Johnny Winter concert must be like. Uh, So, (laughs) next up is Ron Wood from the Rolling Stones doing Seven Days, again, an obscure song that had only been released on the bootleg series, to that point. And again, I, I like he, that was a song that Bob did wrote and composed during the rolling thunder review, performed it a couple of times and then just basically forgot about it. But I always liked that song. It's a fun song. It's and uh, song. yeah, nice to, nice to hear Ron Wood, uh, you know, somebody from the stones uh, doing a Dylan song.
3: And it's not somebody who you would think, you know, like he, I, it's one of my favorite songs on this entire, like, if you go through the CD, you know, start to finish as far as, you know, great songs on, that were done by other people. This one's one of my favorites because he just did a, he's an awesome job with this. It's a, it's got high energy and his, you know, his work on it is awesome. And he's actually a really
2: great vocalist.
3: He's, he's not, you know, a fantastic vocalist, but as a live performer, he's great. He
2: does solo records, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. So that yeah, was, that was really cool. I don't him. He's obviously longstanding friendship with, with Bob. I mean, we just mentioned him in the, the show last week about hearts of fire. He's in hearts <laughs> of fire for Pete's sake. So obviously him and Bob uh, go way back. So, Uh, Next up, now we're going to quiet things down. Uh, We're going to go to Acoustic Performance, Just Like a Woman by Richie Havens. (laughs) I I know you have a lot to say about this.
3: Oh, I have an emotional connection to this song. This is literally one of my favorite songs, period, like top five in my entire life. And it's this exact version of it because it's a beautiful song the way Bob does it. But I'm a huge Richie Havens fan in general. I'm absolutely positively fascinated by the way he plays guitar. And every guitarist I know, I constantly ask them, like, how does he do, like, what, why does he do that? Like, why does he do that with his thumbs? Like, um, but he just took this song in a completely different direction. And you felt it so hard. Like, when he says, please don't let on that you knew me when, the way he says, please, like, there's just so much in that. And it, it it floors me to this day. If I am in a moment where I'm completely melancholy, I can put on that song and it's just like, all right, I understand the world again. <laughs> Richie Havens was a beautiful human being. Um, and he he really put that forward in what he did.
2: It was a wonderful vocal performance. I mean, like yes. the, the strength of his voice really comes through. I, I'm not that familiar with him outside of some of his sixties work, but uh, I mean, man, he really, it's one of those things where um, just by the sheer power of the performance and the personality he was able to really draw the audience into where they're focusing on just the guy and his acoustic guitar all the lights are out the spotlights on him he sit, I think he was sitting too I yeah. don't think I remember he wasn't even standing up but yeah, just that kind of yeah that kind of just concentrated thing of, of doing the song in a way you hadn't heard before acoustically and just again the the, the, the tenor of his voice was so powerful, so strong that it was really, really quite breathtaking because I didn't know that much about him and you couldn't help but, Really focus in, and he said he drew you in. So it's really one of the standouts of the whole.
3: It's one of my favorites. I was just waiting until we could talk about that real quick. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) It's my favorite.
2: Yeah, it's terrific. So, and the next up was "When the Ship Comes In" by the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem. Again, they you know they kind of obviously really lean into the sort of Irish sea shanty (laughs) ishness of "When the Ship Comes In," so it's perfect for them. I, I. this is an i don't mean this as an insult to the clancy brothers who have this marvelous history but i right. don't i don't think of them as anything other than that anecdote that bob tells in no direction home where i think it's tommy makem is the one who goes up to him and he's like you know bob no 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 mercy no peace no quarter and Bob's just like yeah
1: yeah <laughs> or,
2: no he goes right yeah that's what, like that makes me laugh so or that story and that's what I think of when I hear of the Clancy brothers but they do a nice performance of this of this song
3: they did and it was it was very it was very you know folky in a completely different direction and I I love that you know they come out and say you never heard Dylan with an Irish accent
1: yeah right and go into
3: it it was it was it was great. It's a beautiful version. That's another one of my favorite performances because it's it's such a peaceful way to do that track. It's 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 got a lot of of goodness in what comes out of it. The way that they did it was, you know, I I like the fact that during this show and I wish that people would, you know, that I wish that it would happen again. And we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's everybody got to take these songs that people know and put their own spin on them. And it's everything that, you know, musicians love to hear about Dylan anyway being covered a million different ways. But it was live, you know, it was all in one place. And I, I'm jealous as hell that you were there to see it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it was said. It was, it was great. But I was, I was making a list. Uh, a couple of, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, uh, my girlfriend Kelly and I were working and we were just, we got on the subject of concerts and we started talking about who have we seen? And I was able to rattle off all these names. And I was like, well, that was really all one concert. <laughs> you know, it was like <laughs> Eric Clapton and Lou, Lou Reed, Steve Young, Stevie Wonder and the the the, the Clancy brothers. And we were like, God, that was all just one show. Okay. Like, hey, yeah. you now I really, yeah. a big list mm-hmm. on here. Uh, so the next step was un- unfortunately, uh, the, the, the bum note of the evening where oh, Sinead, Sinead. Sinead O'Connor came out and got booed, uh, and booed pretty heavily. And she, instead of singing the song that she was planning to sing, which I believe was I Believe in You from Slow Train Coming, uh, she did her acapella version of War, which she had done on Saturday Night Live, I think just a week earlier, which is yep. where she ripped up, up the picture, picture of the Pope. Pope. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I I'm I'm going to set aside the criticism of singing the war thing. I don't know if that was really the great the right the attitude the right right to, um, reaction to have to to what happened. But I also have never been booed by thirty thousand people or something. Or well, wasn't th- hold on, let me take that back. She was not booed by thirty thousand people. She was booed by a couple of thousand assholes. Yes, and, un- and unfortunately, as we know, um. If assholes boo loud enough, uh, they can really make things bad. Yes. And I remembered being, uh, three or four seats down from somebody who was booing very loudly. And I kept kind of giving him a dirty look and, you know, he didn't care. And I just remembered it was a b- bunch of mixed emotions because it was like, well, hold on. What am I saying? It wasn't mixed emotions. It was all one emotion. I was angry. I was angry right. because it's like, A, this is rude. This is, Bob Dylan has invited these people into his home and you're here to watch it. You don't boo Bob Dylan's guests. No, that's just rude. Second of all, like any of you people booing right now, give a frig about the Pope. Let's get exactly. All of a sudden you're all big Pope. Like what? (laughs) You're all such good Catholics. You're all such good Catholics. (laughs) What a load of horseshit that was three Sinead O'Connor ended up being right ended up yep. being a thousand percent every single person that booed should be issued a dvd of spotlight and be forced to watch <laughs> it uh clockwork orange style uh, so <laughs> it was disgraceful it was and it was it made such a wonderful celebration just it really hung in the air and it and it really was made me feel very uncomfortable that the, and and again and then the, the last point is so let me get this straight you're offended by someone protesting something at a Bob Dylan tribute concert. That's (laughs) really, that's your, that's your, that's your hill. You're dying on here. People.
1: (laughs) And I have
3: to say, like, I was, I was young at the time. I didn't really understand as well as
2: I do now what it was she was doing mm. in general, what, what, what she did on Saturday night live. She was her own worst enemy in some ways. She, so she was. Her points were sometimes hard to discern, and she was so strident that it could leave people that might have been sympathetic to her position by the side of the road because I think some of it was so obtuse. It was a yeah, like, Right? I don't know what point is she trying to make.
3: Right, but it's still, she was. She was that person who was who was in protest. She was taking yep. a stand. She was yep. saying what she could because she had a platform, which is all we want of anybody that has a platform. Like you have the opportunity. Try and make change. This was important to her. And she was at a Bob Dylan tribute concert. (laughs) Like of all people who used their voice to try and make a change, whether, you know, uh, he wanted to be known for it or not, Uh, you did. And she was there and you booed her. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's just What's extraordinarily rude. Extraordinarily you could've, you could've rude. You could have
3: just let her get done what she was doing, and then you know, shit talked her in the bar afterward, like yeah. the rest of us do. You know, like yeah. when we when we leave a show. Like that wasn't very good. I didn't like that. But don't
2: boo. Yeah. If you find yourself saying "keep politics out of my Bob Dylan songs," you're really oh, uh, don't listen. Don't even really missing the plot. <laughs> uh, to, to quote Patton Oswald, "You're going to miss everything cool and die angry because it's yes." Just, just insane. So that that was a very, very, very unfortunate moment. And uh, they brought it right after that. And then uh, we see her walk off stage and uh, she was crying and she was comforted by Chris Christopherson who yes. hugged her. Yep. And apparently he said something that. like, don't let the bastards get you down or something. Yep. like that.
3: and That's what I heard too. Yeah. Like and that, that just
2: angers me because it's like, I wasn't one of the best, ba- you know, like I was yeah. happy to see her and that just, yeah, it was just, why? Why would you ruin this evening by being and I, a big
3: drunk. listen she was a little outrageous but i genuinely respect her i mean anybody that prince writes song
2: for yeah and she was and again not she was right <laughs> she was right she ended up being 100% right absolutely
1: so, was
2: anyway uh after that they brought out obviously a, a i i i don't know whether this was um planned or it was you know it was always going to be this way or they rearranged it because they maybe wanted to bring somebody out who everyone loves, Neil Young. And Neil Young comes out and does two songs, just like Tom Thumbs Blues Mm -hmm. and All Along the Watchtower. And I will tell you, um, when Neil comes out, he introduced the first song by saying, thanks for having Bob Fest. Yes. And when I was at the concert, it was very hard to hear what he was saying. And for, for a long time, I thought he said, thanks for having Bob Pissed. (laughs) which I thought was Neil's comment of you've just pissed off Bob Dylan by booing the previous act. I thought that's what he was saying. And I was like, Ooh, Neil Young is, you know, excoriating the audience a little bit. Good for him. (laughs) Now he was not, but for the longest time, that's what I really thought he said.
0: (laughs) I never knew that.
2: That's that's what I, again, very hard to hear some of these things in in those days, but anyway, Uh he does, he does very typical Neil Young, crazy horse, versions of these two songs where he just rips into them and does these crazy Neil Young guitar solos and yes. he does a great t- they're both great they're bo- they I, I've both I've already great. said Tom Thumbs Blues is my actually my favorite song off of Highway 61 so I'm glad that somebody covered it.
3: yeah and he and it's Neil Young Neil Young can do yeah. no wrong in my eyes he's 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 a he's a fantastic songwriter um he's he's very very respected and he respects you know what he was there to do he yeah. picked two great songs that everybody loves and then he he rocked the hell out of them
2: yeah, and of course Bob name checks him in in Highlands, uh, many years, five years later, on, on time that of Mind. I always <laughs> wonder when, like, when when Neil Young gets that record and he gets to that line, does he just kind of just nod his head a little? Like, okay, <laughs> thanks, Bob. Exactly. That's great. Um, so the next up was Chrissy Hyde, the great Chrissy Hyde from the Pretenders, uh, doing "I Shall Be Released." Uh, again, not a song I would think. I don't know what I would necessarily think that the pretenders would, or Chrissy Hine would cover. That was not one that I would think, but she did, she did a marvelous version of
3: it. She did. And she's so cool. Her and yeah, her Chrissy bangs, Like she's, she's just awesome. Like anything she does is gold as far as I'm concerned. And it was, that's a beautiful song. It's an yeah. absolutely beautiful song and she's a fantastic vocalist. So for her to come out and she has her own style. She's just, she's, I can't, I always say it like, she's just like the coolest girl in rock and roll. Yeah because she is doesn't matter how old she gets she's always going to be the coolest girl <laughs> and she she absolutely did it her way mm-hmm. so it injected different life into the song and I, that's the great thing about this whole show like it was it was giving that life to stuff and just exciting everybody. I love Chrissy
2: Hyde. Yeah, she was in the backup band at the Letterman Show that I was at. So I saw her now twice in a row with Bob Dylan singing, you know, something related to Bob Dylan. You have, Uh, like, the
3: best roster of live music.
2: It's crazy. (laughs) I've only seen, like, nine other concerts, but I managed to see all these people at one time. Next up, another huge name, Eric Clapton, doing Love Minus Zero, No Limit, and Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. And he does... Uh, a guitar. I mean, again, another guitar hero, but about as far away from the approach of Neil Young as possible. Where yes. Neil Young is flying around the stage and and, and it's Eric's just kind of quiet, picking away at it. And again, he did a great, great version. I love Love, Love, is Zero, No Limit. I, that's one again, one of my favorites. So very cool to see him do two songs.
3: And he's just got such a cool stage presence, like you said. Like he's just he's he's an understated person as a character on the stage, but then he just rips. He picks up a guitar and just destroys it. And he does it like when they do the the group session stuff later. Like, we'll mm. get to that when we get there. Yeah. But, like, oh, he's just so cool. <laughs>
2: Great stuff. So, and then uh, the OJs came out and did Emotionally Yours, the only cover from Empire Burlesque. I love they did Blood in the Tracks, nothing from that record, but we got Empire Burlesque. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. way to pick the weirdest stuff yeah and they did a great job they did a great they they took the the inherent sort of soul sound that you could find in those songs if you didn't think about the bur- you know buried in the, the 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 production of arthur baker and really right. made it a soul song and they did a great version it was a terrific take on that song
3: that's another one that's just like it's, it's one <laughs> i don't skip it when it comes through i have to stop on it and just be like wow yeah. you really <laughs> like you picked you picked an odd song and then just destroyed it on there like it's awesome
2: that was yeah that was really cool to have the to have the oj's on there that was again <laughs> right interesting picks so that was great <laughs> uh and then they had the band the band the the band came out the band uh sans robbie robertson uh if i recall correctly i don't believe he was there but it was everyone no, else was in the not. band singing when i paint my masterpiece and that's again that's one of my all-time favorite dylan songs now I will say that the version they did, there is that there. I don't know how you fall on this, Amanda, but like there's kind of, there's ramshackle in a good way. And then there's ramshackle in a kind of like guys get it together kind of way. <laughs> and I kind of feel like they were leaning heavy on the, the ladder where like they didn't come in singing at the same time. And I feel like they, I was like, did you guys rehearse this or something? It <laughs> felt a little, a little unprepared.
3: It was later in the show. There might have been really good craft service, you know, beer station in the back there. So it, it was. It was definitely a little. It was a little messy, but it's the band, you know. It's the like band, it's, right? You you see that, and you're like, I'm seeing the band. Yeah, That's another right, one. You never. You have the the. You can say that. Yeah. I, you know, I saw. I saw that. Saw the, band. I saw the band, even
2: though they retired in the last waltz. I still managed to see the band. Exactly. <laughs> Who
3: else can say that?
2: Yeah. All right. so then next up is my all. Not only my favorite performance of the night. It is my favorite Bob Dylan cover, period. And that is You Ain't Going Nowhere by Sean Colvin, Mary Chapin yes! Carpenter, and Roseanne Cash. I, Anytime I am in a bad mood, which is a lot, I put this on and it <laughs> cheers me up. It is so... First of all, You Ain't Going Nowhere is um, on my top 10 Dylan favorite Dylan songs of all time. Yes. The one from Greatest Sits Volume 2 specifically, because he rewrites it. Because of course yes. he does. And they sing that version. And they each sing a verse apiece, and then they collaborate on the, the fourth verse. And it is just an a absolute, wonderful, upbeat, happy, celebratory version of this great, great song. And it's, it's one of the songs, and I mentioned this on the episode we did on the song many years ago at this point, is that to me, You Ain't Going Nowhere is one of the songs I like to play for people who are maybe not Dylan fans, but say, oh, well, he's, you know, he's a good songwriter. Well, yeah, well, of course, and they, as kind of like, maybe like a sideways, you know, backhanded compliment of like, well, he's not good at that other <laughs> stuff, but he's a songwriter. <laughs> well, okay. But the lines in you ain't going nowhere are almost gibberish. I mean, a fish that walks and a dog that talks. I mean, we ride me high, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not, we're not doing desolation row over here, but to right. me, the, the joy that he's trying to convey of someone who is anticipating their, their, their better half coming is so palpable in that song that it makes me happy. And they yes. did a perfect version of it. And I, it, again, it is my all-time favorite Dylan cover.
3: It's it's gorgeous. And and the funny thing is, is Sean Colvin at the time was, you know, she was kind of doing something. Didn't she have, she had a, what was the song that she had that got,
2: yeah, she, she had had a, a, hit, a hit record by that point. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. So people knew who she was. So it, it, that, I mean, you know, like I said before, that kind of injected something in and people paid attention. But regardless of that fact, they took this song and, like you said, they injected this amazing energy into it. And it is it is such odd lyrics, you know, wrap yourself in a tree with a root.
2: Yeah, Genghis Khan could not keep all his kids <laughs> supplied with sleep. And what the... <laughs> What okay.
3: What are you talking about? But that song, yeah. The way they did it was so fun. Like, they looked like three best friends on stage. Oh, yes,
2: they did. I wanted them to be a band. Right? I wanted right. them to be I wanted them, like CCNC.
3: Just do it. Like, you know? I wanted an entire album of this. Like, yes. This is what Wilson Phillips should have been, you know, yes. <laughs> and not yes. lame. This was amazing, but they they looked like they were having so much fun. And that's yes. what made it so great when you hear it. You hear them just like we are we are people that, you know, are on this amazing stage. And some of us come from amazing people and, and they, they took everything about their talent and just fused it together and laughed. And it was, it was brilliant. I agree a hundred percent. That's one of the best performances of the night.
2: I also love too, that they did not change the lyrics because of the pronouns. No. Cause in the line it's who we ride me high to Mars the day my bride's going to come and, and, yep. and up until fairly recently, uh when when someone of a different sex would cover a song written by a, you know a, either you know the, the person of the opposite sex right they would change pronouns because that was just the thing you kind of did right. you know my papa you've been on my mind or mommy you know whatever but i like that they didn't do that and it's like who yeah. cares
3: okay ca- exactly what the difference does it make
2: because that's
3: not what it was about you know right. if somebody's gonna hang on that minor detail who well cares? the people and that you know booed well, yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, that. that well, I hope
3: but, that it
2: made them angry then. Uh, yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> but it was great. Yeah, my my buddy and I, that when we left the show, we were like, we those three need to be Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Like yes! they just need to be, you know, Carpenter, Cash, and Colvin as a band. And yep. it's a shame that they've never, to my knowledge, ever done anything together again. Because well, whoever
3: they'll hear, maybe they'll hear this. And they'll <sighs> I
2: like hope. So. I I tweeted them all the time telling them it's my great, <laughs> it's my favorite cover, and they never respond to it. So, you know, maybe. But uh yeah, I it's I, I don't know whose idea it was to pair them up because mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily think you would I mean, yes, Roseanne Cash was kind of a country act and Mary Chapin Carpenter but Sean Colvin was. And so I don't know whoever had that idea Good on you because it was yeah. marvelous. Just I hope marvelous.
3: they're really friends. Like, and really oh, friends. I hope. They like They like go out for you know, a couple of <laughs> pints and have a good time.
2: <laughs> that would be great. That would be awesome. Next up, uh, now talk about a name. I got to see a Beatle. I got to call a Beatle off my, my bucket list. Ugh. George Harrison <laughs> doing If Not For You and Absolutely Sweet Marie. Two songs that I – I mean, at the time – Um, I didn't really know that Harrison had a connection to, if not for you, it wasn't until the bootleg series came out and there's that version where he's playing slide guitar. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's a song that meant a lot to him and him and Dylan have a sort of a personal collection, but it was cool to hear him sing, you know, a a, a more obscure song. I thought that was, both are relatively obscure in terms of the Dylan canon, So that was cool. And again, it's George Harrison. (laughs)
3: the <laughs> man can do no wrong if not for you is a song that i really genuinely like like i love i love bob's vibe in that song and the way that he did it and george took it you know as everybody did that night they took it their own way and it was so totally george harrison but it was still that great song that i loved um i i have a hard time talking about george harrison because there's not a darn thing he's he can do that was, that yeah. was that's wrong or bad or anything like he's everything he does he just shows up and you're like oh well everything's fine now he's george ahead. harrison
2: man yeah, george <laughs> Hir- he's wearing a, he was wearing a giant purple dress jacket i don't remember, I remember thinking <laughs> where does one get i guess if you're george harrison you want a giant purple suit coat you're gonna get one you know i mean it was, it was like it was like barney grimace purple i mean it was like as per it was prince purple i mean it was amazing so i hope yeah, that it still was, exists oh i hope so it was just amazing again it's just amazing so next up another Wilberry. This time we got Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers doing two songs, "Licensed to Kill, again, Obscure Choice, very much, yeah. uh, very appreciated. And then a totally rocked out stoner version of Rainy Day Women, number 12 and 35. Again, uh, they you know, talk about bang, bang, George yes. Harrison followed by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Wow.
3: I love Tom Petty and I sincerely miss him being on this planet. <laughs> like he's, that was one of the biggest losses in the world is when he left yeah. because he was, he was another one. It was just so cool. Like he really appreciated what he did and what he had and to, to come and obviously him and Bob were friends because, yep. you know, the Wilburys, but, um, and he sounds like him. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I've always listened to Tom Petty and been like, there's no way you didn't like admire the hell out of Bob Dylan when you, yeah. were, you know, figuring out your sound, but <laughs> Rainy Day Woman, I don't know if it was, that was never released as any kind of a single or anything.
2: Oh, I think was it was. Wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was a single, yeah. But it's That's just cool. such a, it's,
3: <laughs> I love listening to that song to this day because of all of the, the the stuff that was going on in the background. Like everybody's just like banging on whatever and laughing hysterically. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's that song has amazing energy in itself. So to hear Tom Petty do it, it was just so cool. Like yeah. he's, he, he totally, and then he rocked the hell out of it.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, and we know that that Mr. Petty enjoyed a enjoyed a joint now and again, so of <laughs> probably <did>. very personal, <laughs> exactly. very personal connection to him. Uh, and then uh, Tom Petty stayed on stage to do a duet with Roger McGuinn from the Birds to sing uh, "The Birds Take on Mr. Tambourine Man," which again was a huge hit, a massive hit. Yes. Uh, certainly the more famous version of the song than Bob Dylan's version. And it was great. It was just, again, another legendary performer. And you know that Tom Petty loves Roger McGuinn. You yes. could see it on his face. He just looks like he's having the time of his life singing this song next to one of his heroes. It was really and wonderful.
3: Roger McGuinn's a cool guy, too. And I love the birds. I grew up loving the birds. And I, I maybe it's because I knew how much of their catalog was Dylan songs or Dylan inspired. And, um, I mean, we'll get to my back pages, too. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, Mr. Tambourine Man by the Birds is one of my favorite songs as a kid. Uh, it's I love their version of it. I love you know Roger McGuinn and his twelve string. Uh, that that song, that sound that he gives to it. So it was kind of like a had to be. You know if if Roger McGuinn did not show up and and do at least Mr. Tambourine Man, I think I would have been really disappointed.
2: But mm. like I said obviously uh, his connection to Bob and the other guys. Uh, is very strong because of the placement they gave him. I mean, he's yeah. the last act before we get to the big man himself. And one last thing I want to say about Roger McGuinn is one of my favorite things from the No Direction Home movie is his appearance in it where he get, he's got a guitar and he does an explanation of what he did to Mr. Tambourine man to rearrange it. And, I've said on many, many episodes of Pod Dylan, I don't understand music. I, to me, it's all alchemy. I just, <laughs> I just don't get how people know what to, how it works. It just boggles the mind. And he does this thing where he talks about what he did to the song and he goes, well, you know, Bob gave me this song and I heard Mr. Tambourine Man and it's this kind of folky thing. And then he plays the version as it sounds the way Dylan plays it. And then he goes, and I decided to turn it into this thing with a different timing. And he just moves his hands on the guitar and he sings the same lines, but as the birds did. And you're like, yeah, it just, I was like, wow. It's like somebody just turned, you know, nickel into gold right in front of me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. How did he do that? How did you know? It's- and yet he does it right live in front of the cameras. It was so amazing.
3: He's, uh, he's 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 such an amazing person. I follow him on Twitter just because I like seeing the things that he
2: posts. <laughs> like. I love that Roger McGuinn is on Twitter. That's it's, right.
3: It's it's very and he's he's so he's so calm there. You know, like it's not. I follow David Crosby too. Completely different experience, but right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I I love Roger McGuinn. He's amazing. He's an amazing musician, and and then I love that he does that. Like it's like he turned a knob and his sound his sound
2: changed. You know, yeah, <laughs> like it's amazing, amazing. Uh, and then uh, George Harrison came out again to do the intro. And he does, he does a very cheeky intro where he says, some of you call him Bobby, some of you call him Zimmy. I call <laughs> him Lucky, uh, which I thought was great. And, uh, you know, and I thought it was interesting that of the two Wilbury handles, he chose Lucky, he didn't chose the one from the <laughs> third, from the second <laughs> album, he chose the first one. And he says, please welcome Bob Dylan. And then the big man comes out himself. And in classic Dylan understatement, what does Bob decide to lead off with? Song to Woody, a tribute to his own musical hero, and a song a lot of people probably would not have known, and again, it was great, I mean, it was, but it was so exciting, I can remember just being electrified that all of this hype had been building up and building up, and now here's the man himself, and he decides just to come out with the acoustic and just do Song to Woody.
1: You (laughs) know what
3: that is? It is, it is, but... and you know, because I know that, you know, Bob Dylan, like that's how important Woody was to him. If he's going to be memorialized in this massive concert in like the greatest arena in the world, uh, he's going to come out and do a
2: tribute. Yeah. to
3: himself. Like that's, that's such a Bob thing to do. And if you don't love the man, you don't get it. But if you do, you're like, well, that makes sense.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. When you understand the language of Dylan, you're like, makes total sense. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then he followed it up with it's all right, ma I'm only bleeding and talk about relevant lines. No matter mm-hmm. what year Bob Dylan sings the line, sometimes even the president of the United States sometimes must have to stand naked it gets a huge round of applause because it's always friggin' relevant. Yeah, when it doesn't sings. matter
3: when he does it. And I really hope that this coronavirus thing goes away soon enough so he can come out and do it again.
2: That would be great.
3: Because I think people would hear it in a very oh, different light today, and it would really energize people. Blow the
2: roof off the place. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Yeah, it would be amazing. We
3: need we need Bob right now.
2: We sure do. We do. We absolutely do. <laughs> Luckily, we got the record. We got Theme Time Radio Hour. He's been active. He's been... He's been <laughs> You know, that's been yeah. good. So so then it was just, just two performances of Bob for the moment. And then all of a sudden, we see everybody start pulling out guitars and plugging them in. And I remember at the time, I was like, what, what's, what's happening? And then we get, <laughs> I mean, could there be a bigger, I mean, maybe The Last Waltz in terms of the sheer star power of the collaboration of this? And we get My yeah. Back Pages being done by Roger McGuinn, Tom Petty, Neil Young. Eric Clapton, Bob, and George Harrison. I mean, this is the closest the universe ever brought us to a Woolberries concert. We had three (laughs) fourths of the living Woolberries at that point. And they do the only thing I can say about it that I don't, it's not the greatest version in the world. It's a little understated, it's a little pat. Uh, I, to me, the best parts about it are the guitar solos by Young and Clapton, which Young are of Clapton course on polar opposites in terms yes. of their style. But it, nevertheless, you can't get over the thrill of it's it's these guys singing this song all together. It's amazing.
3: It's incredibly amazing. I mean, it, it's I'm I'm again, I'm jealous of you. <laughs> you got to see this this wonderful thing happen right in front of you. It doesn't matter how far away you were in the Madison yeah. Square Garden arena. You know, uh, it's it, it was that's one of my if not my favorite bird song and it's a Dylan song. And I love, mm-hmm. you know, I love Dylan's version, but I love I just love what Roger McGuinn does with his guitar style and his vocal style to anybody's song. Um so to to expand on that with you mm-hmm. know Neil Young and Eric Clapton, like it's 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 like taking, you know, a Ferrero Rocher and and exploding it into like, you know, something the size of my house. <laughs>
2: That's fantastic! So good. Uh, they must have re- they must have rehearsed this thing uh, extensively because if you there's a great little moment that you see on the the video version where you get to the I think it's the um, I forget what the order it is but I think it's Bob uh, or no no because Dylan went after somebody I forget the order but somebody looks at Eric Clapton and is like Are you going to sing this part? And you see Clapton gesture with his he's playing the guitar so his right. hands aren't free but you see him kind of gesture to the musician like no no you go ahead and then that person <laughs> sings their verse and I thought oh that's interesting that so they must have all known the song all the verses I mean right. it's, it's cut down to six verses obviously because there's six performers but they must have all decided oh, we will just decide in the moment who's going to sing what because clearly someone thought Clapton was about to sing and this person <laughs> is like I was like no no you go Okay. All right. I just love the looseness of that. I thought that was great. And um, if you buy, if you have the the uh, version that, that was released on CD, you'll notice the vocal sounds a little weird. Apparently there must've been a few uh, recording snafus with this concert because the song to Woody uh, that Bob does is not on the record. It's not on the CD version. And, and, and right. in the liner notes by David Wilde, he mentions that uh, audio problems prevented it from being recorded. So obviously there must've been something wrong with Dylan's vocal that he went into the studio later and had to overdub it. And if you listen closely to the version that was released on CD, you can kind of hear that his vocals are sort of on top of the crowd noise as opposed to being part of it. So I remembered hearing it and I was like, that didn't sound like what I heard, you know, (laughs) but I only heard it once a year ago. So I was like, well, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but no, Bob had to re-record that part that's on the CD.
3: That's not surprising though. I mean, You know, live recording is live recording, so you never know what's going to happen. And I like the fact that he's such a perfectionist that he's like, I don't like how I sounded.
2: Yeah, (laughs) come in and redo (laughs) it. The three-hour show, stuff's going to go wrong. What happens?
3: Sure. And Um, this is towards the end, so who knows?
2: Right. And so, again, it was this amazing, these six people. And how do you top that? Well, you bring everybody out. And they brought everybody out, including Sinead O'Connor to sing knock on heaven's door and yes. you can audibly hear Sinead do the hi 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 you know kind yep. of the Axel rose thing uh <laughs> and it was great i thought it was a great way of everyone kind of telling the people that booed her after oh, yourself." you know exactly she's, she's part of the clan here so yeah
0: I,
3: I feel bad for people that don't get it you know <laughs>
2: yeah. a great sing-along a really great yeah. sing-along on this you know again a song that you wouldn't, it's so simple. It's only took two verses and it's like barely two and a half minutes long. And yet it's become this amazing anthem and a great, it, you wouldn't think there would be a great sing-along and yet it is become kind of a great sing-along. So that's the way they end the show until, uh, and it, I remember the time we all thought it was over. Cause how do you, you know, everybody's oh, out. How do you, how do you top that? Bob came out one more time by himself and did girl from the North country. A mm-hmm. uh, very, very quiet, simple version. Again, very dylan-esque in that it's like wow he picked songs from his very early records you know a very interesting way to wrap up the show but it's i mean it was great to have everybody wrap it up but again it's it's a it's a concert for bob dylan you got to end it with bob dylan just bob himself and it's a terrific version of that song
3: i appreciate that he came out and did that too because that's one of my favorite songs you know the way he and johnny do that is is gorgeous um but to to have him take it you know down a little bit and do it himself and be the last thing like that was that for me that's cool that's an amazing song and that's like that's what closes everything out all these huge loud like big massive performances and it ends with just bob doing you know something understated and i like that
2: and it's really the only time i can think of in the last really since the never ending tour where bob has performed acoustic really yeah I mean, he generally has always been with a band. And this yeah. is one of the rare times he's there just by himself singing his songs acoustically. And so that was the show. Now, uh, in legend, apparently, that Elvis Costello was planned to be there, but there was problems with his visa. And he couldn't get, he couldn't wow, get into the country. I didn't that. I've, I've heard that story. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I've heard it from a couple different places. Not that that means it makes it true, but that I've heard surprising. that story, which is like what you couldn't. What, what come on? It's Elvis Costello for God's sake. I,
3: t- I totally could have seen Elvis Costello there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in,
2: in, in terms of performers that I wondered why they weren't there. And, you know, I mean, obviously coordinating all these schedules must have been a nightmare. Sure. Uh, it must have been like, a, you know, making the Avengers movies for Pete <laughs> to schedule all these people. But the three performers, I always wonder why w- I weren't there. Jackson Brown. Jackson okay. Brown was a huge Dylan fan. I remember he ended, right. he, he ended an interview uh, with Rolling Stone once talking about being asked about his influences. And he went through this person and he goes, but it really was Dylan. And he talks about some other people. And then he literally ends the interview with Dylan, 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 three times. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I guess he's a fan. So I was a little surprised <laughs> that he was not there because you would think that would be something he would have done. Joan Baez, I was surprised that Joan Baez wasn't there. Yeah. Their, their their connection is so strong that I was surprised with. Them. And then the other name is Bruce Springsteen. Uh, we all know Bruce Springsteen's a Dylan fan. I imagine he was probably very busy. Uh, he's Bruce Springsteen, but that's right. those are the three names that I was like, eh, I, that would have been. I mean, not to complain. This country's already amazing. But those are the three names that kind of jumped out at me as like, that's, I wonder if they tried, they couldn't get them or whatever. But those are those are the only, are there anybody that you had, sort of could have imagined would have been there at the time? You,
3: you make a very good point with Springsteen. Um, and I hadn't really thought about that. And especially with like proximity, like he, you know, he lives across the Hudson River. Right. So Springsteen doing like Tweeter in the monkey
2: man or something.
3: Right. Like <laughs> He would have picked something obscure too, you know, probably. Like he's, he's a big, you know, Pete Seeger fan and, and he's, he's fair. He understands folk music. So I think he would have picked something that and, and blowed it out of the water, but you know, the time that it was, it's very possible that it just didn't line up for him. And he was probably yeah. upset about it. I can't, I can't see him not being disappointed that he wasn't there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm coordinating. This thing must've been just a logistical nightmare. I'm, uh, I I
3: don't know. Like why wasn't Arlo there?
2: mm. That's true, yeah, Arlo Guthrie, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know
3: he's he's you know he's a number one. He's Woody's kid, and they're also I know that they were friends. Yeah,
2: Arlo and Bob were um, friends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
3: yeah. I I follow Arlo a lot, so um, I I was you know wondering about that one, and Joan Baez is a great is a great uh, suggestion as well. And I have to wonder. I've always wondered what their relationship is <laughs> nowadays, and maybe it was just like her being like, hey eh, you know, I don't feel like it.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you, when you see when you when you when you see her in these movies, in No Direction Home or the uh, Rolling Thunder Review, she always has this kind of sly grin on her face, like it's like, right. all right, let's talk about Bob again. Yeah. Exactly.
3: <laughs> so I have to I have to wonder if she was just like, yeah, I don't, you know, well, he doesn't need me to be there. I respect right, him, and it's fine. But I, you know, I I I have to wash my hair that day. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> Could be.
2: Absolutely. So anyway, it was an amazing show, and it you know it helped cement. My love of Dylan because it was introducing me to all these performers that had been inspired by him and loved him. And it was an amazing event. And even though it was marred by that one moment, um, I, I'm still so grateful that I got to, that I got to see it. It was just, very just incredible, credible experience. So.
3: And even, I don't even think that it was marred by that event. Like I think that that event at that show is kind of appropriate. In a lot of ways, it's never going to be forgotten. Like people no. have been talking about it ever since it happened, and it, it has sparked a lot of you know debate. Like this is literally what Bob was doing when he started, and everybody booed her for it. Like ew.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will say okay. Yeah, that, that's fair. I would say it, it's in retrospect it isn't. I will remember though at the time. Yes, walking out, walking out, and it was a buzzkill. It really yeah. was. You walked out like what the. You, know, you <laughs> yep. really did feel very frustrated. But yes, as as time of course has marched on. And, and now O'Connor we can
3: look is, at it and be know, like, we look uh. at it and say,
2: yeah, it was an unfortunate moment, but, you know, it ended up being playing into the legend of Sinead O'Connor and, and and even the idea of protest music. I was like, yes, of yes! course, Bob, Bob Dylan's, uh, you know, descendants metaphorically are protesting and they're being booed the way Dylan was booed. Right. 30 years ago, you know, that right. kind of thing. So, right. okay. Speaking of 30 years, uh <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had this notion that uh, it occurred to me, that in 2022, Bob Dylan will have been performing for 60 years, and mm-hmm. which is insane. And Bob Dylan, of course, is still out there doing it. Yep. Uh, COVID aside, he's still out there doing it. And I thought to myself, well, Columbia Records or Sony Music, whatever the hell they're called, for 2022 should do a 60th anniversary concert celebration. Why yep. the hell not? The man has only put out, what, another half a dozen records since then most of them being really good so yeah. what the hell not so i had mentioned this occasionally uh i think on on the show just as a as a as a joke and then a couple of weeks ago i just put it up on twitter as just like hey here's an idea what does everybody think of that well <laughs> so i put it out on twitter and then i put my phone down and i had dinner and then i go back to twitter and my mentions explode People really ran with this thing. And I, it made me so happy that so many people had so many ideas for this thing. And this, I mean, I, I added uh, David Wilde in my tweet because of course, as I mentioned, he wrote the liner notes to the 30th anniversary. And I was like, you know, Hey David, you could write the liner notes to the 60th anniversary. (laughs) And I actually apologize for blowing up his mentions because it was just like, I mean, it just went on and on and on. And it was, It was amazing. It was really exciting. So what I decided to do to wrap up this episode is that um, maybe to try and put this energy out there into the world, I'm going to list some of my favorite suggestions from the Twitter feed uh, that we got for performer and song. Some of you didn't follow the instructions because some of you just listed performers. I wanted to hear a performer and song because I wanted to see the combination. So, and while this isn't a complete list of everything because I couldn't possibly go through everybody, I'm trying to get through as many as I can because I like, there were a lot of great suggestions here. So I'm just going to so hammer curious. through these really fast. And then, of course, Amanda, you're going to have your own suggestion for this. This is very exciting I to hear about this. So, so we're going to go through, uh, Doc Blues at Harp Wizard suggested License to Kill by Elvis Costello. Yeah, finally getting him in there. And, uh, You're going to Make Me Lonesome When You Go by Miley Cyrus. And she covered that song on a tribute album or a benefits record a couple of years ago. And I think those are both great suggestions. I like Miley Cyrus, and I thought she did a great cover of that. And again, nice to have a newer act in there. So I thought, I like both those suggestions.
3: That's good. That's good. And she's, you know what? She's had a lot to buck against being
2: how she sure, came yes. up and who
3: her dad was and everything. So for her to come out and, you know, and do a Dylan tune is, is just, it's cool. It's yeah, cool. cool. I, I applaud. Yeah.
2: Uh Henry B., of course, has been on the show at Gonzo3249, suggested Grace Potter singing I Shall Be Released. Nice. Uh, right? Quiz Kid Donnie Smith, which is <laughs> one of my favorite handles, Quiz Kid Donnie Smith, uh, at Donnie Quiz, suggested Stuck Inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again by the Old Crow Medicine Show. That's uh, cool. Which, uh, that's a that's nice really one. Cool. I like that one. Uh, the good luck for them remembering all the words guys, uh, (laughs) John W lays at Ella, how I'm going to massacre some of these Twitter handles at, uh, Eli yahoo, five, seven, three, three, Danny Harrison doing, if not for you. Nice. I love that. Like that one, John. Thank you. Uh, Sue at Sue, my ass off. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Jeff Tweedy doing simple twist of fate. That's cool. Cool. Uh, the musician Nina Ricci suggested Don't Think Twice It's All Right for herself. And she provided oh. a YouTube link of her singing the song. So nice, nice, nicely done, Miss Ricci. I appreciate that. And she did a great cover. You can listen to it on, on YouTube. I'm going to go so, find that. I'm yeah, writing
3: that very, down. Very, very
2: nice. <laughs> uh, Matt Simonson, who's been on the show at Matt Simon 9, says, Jerry Lee Lewis doing Goodbye Jimmy Reed. Which is, is he still doing anything? I, I don't know, but that's a great idea. <laughs> I love that That's idea of him, yeah, of him rocking out on Good by Drew. And then on the complete other end of the spectrum, Eminem doing subterranean homesick blues. You know what?
3: It, it I kind of think that that would be really,
2: really fun. Be amazing. That would be He's got to have like a
3: great backup band that would just rip on that and then let him do the vocal on that. Yeah, I would
2: get be that. would uh, be amazing. It makes me think of the, the, the only time I ever heard Bob Dylan even mention Eminem was right around the time Eminem was like massively popular and he was getting in trouble for some of the stuff he had said and there was something about should he perform on the Grammys or whatever. And they asked Dylan about Eminem. What do you think of this Eminem guy? And Bob said, I don't really know him, but he's pissing a lot of people off, so he's probably doing something right. I
3: right. See? That's the, but that's why he'd be uh, – Bob gets it. Like, that's yeah. why he'd be perfect.
2: Get the official benediction from Bob Dylan. Right. Okay. Keep, keep going, I would boy. frame
3: that and put it on my yeah. wall. You
2: ain't kidding. <laughs> and I got uh, that engraved. Yeah, real new again. Wayne Walker at uh, W Walker ninety eight says Jack White doing Masters of War. That'd be really cool. Yeah. We know Jack White and Bob are f- friends. That would be great. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Zendelman at M Zendelman says the Chicks doing Mississippi, uh, which would be great. I that saw the be Dix- fun. I saw the Dixie Chicks back when they were the Dixie Chicks in concert, and they covered Mississippi. Right after that, right after Love and Theft came out, and I, they did a great version of it. I think that's a great choice.
3: I bet they can do that really well. I, I would, I would pay to see that.
2: Yeah, it was really well done. And again, it was, uh, you know, talk about people who got in trouble for protesting.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the chicks,
2: so They're good for uh, them. Perfect. Yeah, great suggestion. Mikey Sand says Dolly Parton singing "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right." Um, mm. I don't know about the, I don't know about her doing that song, but I'd want Dolly Parton involved because she's Dolly Parton.
3: Dolly needs to be there. Dolly is; she can do no wrong in my book. I love the hell out of that woman.
2: She so should I sing really... Jolene. His version, his Jolene. She has her <laughs> Jolene doing, song. He has his Jolene song. Do a duet. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Garrett. <laughs> Garrett Baker at Baker Road 1973 suggests Emma Swift singing "I Contain Multitudes." Of course, Emma Whoa. Swift should be there. She was on this show. She was brave enough. She was the. I think she's the first person to cover. Any song off of uh, Rough and rowdy Way, so she should absolutely be there doing that song. Great suggestion. Right, right. Yep. Awesome. Jason Motz at Music Merck says Bruce Springsteen tweaker and Tweeter and the Monkey Man. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Great. Um KM Simonson 7 at KM Simonson 7 says, When the deal goes down by Bon Ivor. Interesting.
3: Okay. Okay.
2: Yep. All right. Matt Waters at Steer Your Way uh, says uh, to set things right between Sinead O'Connor and the Bob Dylan universe by inviting her back to sing Every Grain of Sand.
0: Oh,
3: nice that would be good.
2: That'd be really good. That'd be, I, I, as she's I said, got, she absolutely has to be there. She absolutely has yeah. to be there. Yeah.
3: That's a great song, though. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's good.
2: That'd be wonderful. Uh, Kurt Sidnor at Sidnor Kurt says Gillian Welch and David Rawlings singing Billy. That'd be interesting. interesting. Yeah. The, the, you know, yes, there was another song off the Pat Car Billy Kid <laughs> soundtrack. People don't remember that, but there was, and it's a great song. Uh, Gareth Buckle at Buckle 56 says, Noor Jones singing Heart of Mine.
3: Oh, I love her. That love would that be
2: that nice. One. That'd be cool. John McCourt at the Rule McCourt. Father John Misty singing Tangled Up in Blue. Yes, simply because there need to be some Blood on the Track songs at yes! this concert. Yes. I'm sakes.
3: surprised. No, but that's such a popular song, too. Yeah. Like, why yeah. didn't anybody pick
2: that? It didn't occur to me until, like, after the show was over. I'm like, did I hear anything from Blood on the Tracks? Like, no. Mm, okay. I mean, <laughs> I know I'm not going to hear anything from Street Legal, but for Blood on the Tracks for pizza? Yeah, but Tiger um, with the Blue is a huge song. <laughs> yeah, that was huge. Chammy at uh, Chammy15934483. Oh, what are those numbers? Jimmy Cliff doing A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. Nice. Cool. like that suggestion. Uh, Halsey, not the Halsey at Sir Halsey says, listening to Street Legal recently with a 15 year old son whose name is Dylan. He remarked that true love tends to forget. Sounds like it could be a Taylor Swift tune. I'm up for seeing that. That'd be I'd cool. That, I'd, I'd love to see that. A that. Go. Yeah. That'd be great. I'd love to see Taylor Swift doing She's huge. She's movies. huge. Yeah, I mean, you can you imagine that? Uh, Hugh Gillen at Hugh Gillen says, Neil Young and Crazy Horse doing like a Rolling Stone. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Jack Scanlon at ScanMan1453, I'd like to see Wilco perform Absolutely Sweet Marie. Oh, gorgeous. Yes. Nice. Halvers at Halvers Blog, uh, Just to be Left Field. He also suggests, he or she, uh, also suggests Taylor Swift, but this time singing most of the time. Uh, That would be really interesting. Yeah, it would. (laughs) You know, she knows she loves breakup songs, so that'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, At Modern, uh, Kutuzov, Adele singing Make You Feel My Love. Makes a lot of sense because that was a big hit for her. Uh, Farouk at Farouk Tak Kusulu 16. Sorry about that. Lana Del Rey singing Girl from the North Country. Interesting. All right. Russ Kelly at R. Kelly N.H. Paul McCartney singing Roll On, John. That's nice. All right. It would be nice. It would be great to have Paul McCartney there, obviously. Yes, it would. Uh, Russell Beresford at squad player. He says, this whole thread has entertained me, Brian Ferry. I've made my mind up to give myself to you. Wow. That'd be be really cool. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great song, but yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, Mark H at FF sake, uh, Sheila Atom. Singing "Tight Connection to My Heart." I don't know who Sheila yeah, is. Yeah, I'm not
3: familiar with that one, but I'm going to look that up. I'm ready. But I
2: love down. "Tight Connection to My Heart," so yeah, let's get that in there. Absolutely. Again, more Empire, but less. See McMarmots at McMarmots. Keith Richards doing "Gotta Serve Somebody." Nice. John Cunningham at Cunningham Whip. P.J. Harvey singing "Shot of Love." That'd, That'd be, be pretty cool. cool. Which she covered. She covered. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. On YouTube. So <laughs> Matt Schmitz at uh, Twitty Schmitty. Mary Lou Lord. You're going to make me lonesome when you go. All right. like that. Okay. Too. Okay. That's fine. Uh, and then uh, my, my pal Laura over at definitely Dylan. She says, I would love to see fewer of Dylan's peers and more people that were influenced by his music. Give me love artists that. from different genres, soul, hip hop, electronic music. Same with the yes. songs. Yes. I would love to hear fewer straight up covers and more creative takes. Love it. Love oh, it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Co-signed all that uh, Laura. Absolutely. Dave Martin, a Dave T 800, the Indigo girl singing tangled up in blue.
3: I love
2: them. <laughs> that's Todd a great Ber- one. Yeah, it is a great one. Todd Burner at Todd Burner. Tom Waits, Beyond Here Lies Nothing. Oh, yes. perfect. that's such a Tom Waitsy title. <laughs> beyond <interesting>. Here Lies Nothing. <laughs> that would be Beyond Here Lies uh, <laughs> Down the street there's a window. A window <laughs> made of glass. Yeah, that would be great. That's my wonderful Tom Waits impression. Mono Fuzz. At Mono Fuzz. Parliament Funkadelic doing Rainy Day Women 12 and 35. Oh, my gosh. That's brilliant. He's going to get a contact eye just from the performance. <laughs> you
3: know? That's brilliant.
2: Oh, they would funk the hell out of oh, that. Oh, man. Uh, and then we got a comment from Michael McKeon. The Michael McKeon. David St. Hubbins himself. Uh, with three suggestions. I was overwhelmed when Michael really? McKeon suggested this. Yeah, I know. I couldn't believe it. He suggested Senior, Tales of Yankee Power by Richard Thompson. Okay. Drifter's Escape by Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. That's cool. And Joker Man by Sarah Jarose. I'm sorry if I'm saying that last name correctly. Uh, but wow. Like, first of all, Senior, nice deep cut, Mr. Right. McKeon. <laughs> but... uh all very good suggest, and then I suggested to him that Spinal Tap should be there singing "Wiggle Wiggle." I thought that would be appropriate. <laughs> be great, because you know, be nice. yeah, yeah. What, what else is that song about? Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, that was amazing just to see Michael McCann on my my Pod Dylan Twitter feed. That was That's crazy. Great. So, and then finally, uh, we got suggestions from David Wild himself, the the man who wrote the liner notes uh, at Wild About Music, and he said, "I think it should be all female artists." And I start with Alicia Keys, Emma Swift, The High Woman, and uh, I am Yola. I am Yola. So that, okay. that was, that was, that was all very interesting suggestions. So thank you everybody. Uh, that was just I had no idea that thing was going to blow up the way it did, and so it was so cool to see how many people had such interesting suggestions and, and named people I've never heard of. Yeah, so I wanted to go and look up who all these people are, and I looked up some coverage. It was amazing. So, so they should absolutely do 60th anniversary. Bob is still around. Unfortunately, we've lost Lou Reed, we've lost George Harrison, we've lost Tom Petty, we've lost Johnny Cash. But there are still so many great artists around. It would be amazing. So, Amanda, what is what was your suggestion for who should be at a Bob Dylan 60th anniversary concert? I
3: love that, I loved that somebody brought up that there should be, you know, there should be younger artists coming up. And Absolutely. I think, that, I think that now I do a lot of writing in the jam community, and and there's a lot of like that super jam that happened at the end, you know, where everybody comes out as such a huge thing on festivals and bring out all these bands and explode this thing. And I think that that should be something that they should really take away with, you know, like whoever they get, I think they should have super jams throughout the show, you know, like let's, let's bring up, you know, this guitarist and this drummer and this vocalist and let's blow the doors off of this, uh, you know, amazing song that everybody thinks
2: they know. Let's get Mally Cyrus to to do something with Parliament Funkadelic.
3: Exactly. You know, like either, either you're going to shine or everybody's going to be so weirded out and nobody's going <laughs> to care because it's going to be fun. So my suggestion now, I, and this is not jam simulated at all, but I happen, my husband sent me a, a version of flogging Molly doing times. They are a changing. Oh, wow. And it was absolutely gorgeous and made me really think, like, what if, you know, I, I would want to throw them up there as a little bit of flavor, like, you know, modern Clancy Brothers, you know? <laughs>
2: Very cool. Yeah. That would be really neat. That would be really cool. Yeah. It's, that's my suggestion. It, 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 that, that's a great suggestion. They said Sony should straight up do this. Yes. Now, I mean, who knows whether we'll be doing concerts in 2022. I hope so for Pete's sakes, but I mean, they should do this because if there's anything to underscore how enduring Dylan's popularity is and how in- enduring he is as a man that 30 years later, he's still doing it. Even after a 30th anniversary concert celebration, he is still putting out records. He's still doing theme time radio hour. He's still, you know, at some point again, going to be touring. Uh, it would be, um, it would just be amazing. It would be amazing. So s- no joke. Sony music should do this. They should absolutely.
3: 100% and what else are you doing right now Because you're not putting shows together So you've right. got lots of time yeah, to sit do down and work with Booking agents and everybody mm-hmm. else And let's put this together and talk to Madison Square Garden And then invite us
2: Yeah. I, oh yes I mean You know <laughs> hey
1: so I got to get having,
2: in and I don't we'll want to have to the booth and do commentary. You know? I don't. Yeah. Right. I don't want to <laughs> pick up my tickets at a shoe store. I want to like get a real <laughs> ticket. All right. That's all that I asked. Sony music. That's all that. And David Wilde has to do the liner notes again. That's yes. the other thing we have to do. Absolutely. So, so, all right. Well, wow. Amanda, this, we went on for a really long time. This was a, <laughs> this was a huge part of Dylan's history of my personal history with Dylan that I've always wanted to get to. And I've just never the, the timing was never right, but then I thought, ah, eh, the anniversary of the show, the 28th anniversary is coming up, and I wanted to talk with somebody that I knew could, you know, had a real background in, in music and had an appreciation for this show the way I did, and so I am just so happy I got to do this with you. So thank you so much for for doing the show with me.
3: Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. And I was so honored to do this. Like, I'm sorry if I get long winded on stuff, but this is.
2: (laughs) you've heard me right.
3: (laughs) I'm sitting sitting in front of a poster of Bob Dylan on my wall in my office here. Like this is this has been a real honor for me. So thank you so much for having me.
2: Awesome. Well, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet?
3: I am you can look me up at www.aperfectmessblog.com.
2: All right, perfect. So again, thank you everybody for listening. If you want to follow the show, go to the website, Fire and Water You can subscribe to Pod Dylan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're always talking Dylan at Pod underscore Dylan on Twitter. And then finally, if you want to support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, of which Pod Dylan is a part, please go to patreon.com slash FW podcast. And there you can unlock various rewards one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So a big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Harry Bernstein, and Max Hutzel for their support of Pod Dylan. I really, really appreciate it, guys. its uh, It means a lot to me when we get a new Patreon supporter and we ask them, what show do you want to be mentioned? And someone says, Pod Dylan. That just means the world to me. So thank you so much for supporting this show. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will see you next week.
1: feels any pain Tonight as I stand inside the rain Everybody knows the baby's got new clothes Lately I see ribbons and her bows and the problems As they fall From her curls oh, she takes Just like a woman And she makes love Just like a woman then she aches Just like a woman But she breaks Just like A little girl
0: Now that you know All the things I'm saying And many times more I'm singing in this song But I can't sing enough Cause there's not many men Done the things that you've done There's two sisters And the sunny and a red belly again people and traveled with you to the hearts and the hands and the men that come with the dust and are gone with the wind